Hey, it's Melissa Moore. Welcome to Mile High Magazine. Great to have you with us on this Sunday morning. One of my all-time favorite people to talk with is Kevin Peterson of the Chronic Hope Institute. He's a licensed marriage and family therapist. And I know today is National Prevention and Awareness Day for fentanyl. So let's start off kind of with the basics. What exactly is fentanyl? Fentanyl is an um, anesthetic actually. Like if you go to the ER, this is when I've seen it the most. When you go to the ER and you're in a tremendous amount of pain, it's something that the doctor is going to prescribe to you right off the bat in a controlled environment to completely remove your pain and bring you back down. Uh, It's super fast acting. It's super powerful. It's incredibly more powerful than heroin or Oxycontin or um, morphine. Um, And it's also incredibly dangerous uh, when people start taking it as a street drug or a self, you know, self-regulating mm-hmm. um, because it is so over. One of the things that it said is two um, milligrams of fentanyl, which look like two salt grains, can literally kill you. That's how powerful it is. That raises so many questions. So fentanyl is not a class of drugs. No. It is actually a super powerful painkiller. And if the size of two grams of salt can actually kill you a fentanyl, what does that say about it? Ugh. It, uh, it, it's absolutely devastating and it's horrific is what it really is. Because mm-hmm. here's what's happening is that, yes, there are people that are opiate addicts that are actually going specifically for fentanyl. And it can be delivered in you know, liquid form. It can be delivered in a pill form. Mm-hmm. But here's the real thing that's happening is that it's being used because it's readily available. It's cheap. Um, it's, and when it's manufactured illegally, it's being used to cut or add into current drugs. So when somebody is on the street buying what they think is Valium Mm -hmm. or Xanax or something along those lines, generally what happens is it's cut with fentanyl. And so they end up dying because they think they're just taking a Xanax or a Valium, which is still a terrible idea. Right, right. But, But what they're getting is like this complete overdose situation. And that's the ultimate danger is that when people start buying stuff off the street, it's, you have no idea what you're getting. And this stuff is being manufactured uh, to look like a regular pharmaceutical drug, but it's not. It, and, it'll, and they have the, the current DEA uh, phrase is one pill can kill. Well, and this brings me to the story that just recently happened in Aurora with a 13-year-old boy who they believe died of accidental fentanyl overdose. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I read the article, I saw it, and I don't, I don't know all the specifics, but I'm willing to bet he didn't, you know, wake up that morning and think, you know, it'll be fun. Uh, it's trying something, and that that'll kill me. I'm willing to bet he was, you know, taking something else, um, and then that this was on top of it, and this is what—that's what killed him, which is just so sad. It's it just is so horrible. It is just so horrible, especially when I hear how little a fentanyl can cause an overdose and a death. You know, you know, another huge danger too, and, and first responders will tell you this as well, is that when they come across someone that uh, is a uh, addict who has fentanyl in their system. The sweat from their body can actually be toxic and the fumes can be toxic to the first responder. That's how powerful this drug is. As horrible as this is, we are seeing a spike in fentanyl addiction or or it's it's hard to say fentanyl addiction because, like you said, little bit can kill you. So what do you what do we just call it? Addiction and the, and the problems with drugs? <sighs> Yeah, what we're what we're seeing is it's it's the the opioid epidemic is is still ongoing, right? And um, it's interesting. Right now, I'm at a conference in Charleston, South Carolina, about addiction and mm-hmm. how we can address it. And the first speaker was this amazing man who's the uh, the colonel. He's the head of the um, you know, state of Mississippi Bureau of Narcotics Task Force, 
And he was talking about what they see. And what they mm-hmm. see is that the, it is what we were just talking about is that people that are buying street drugs that are laced with fentanyl and they're seeing record overdose deaths. And because of the uh, COVID epidemic and the pandemic and then the opioid epidemic, when we put this layer of another drug on top of both those things, we're seeing even higher you know, numbers. You know, we we're setting records on, on o- overdose deaths every year. And this is why, because it's so much more readily available mm-hmm. and, and, and it's being used to mix with these drugs. So what is the solution? I mean, I know it's a layered approach, but as a therapist, what is that solution? You know, that's a great question, because the solution, in my estimation, is staying engaged with your loved ones. And if you have a loved one that's struggling you know, with addiction, it's, in, it's offering them a solution and being really clear. It's holding boundaries and saying, I love you and I'm not willing to participate in your self-destructive behavior, and I have a solution for you, and I want to offer that solution to you. I don't believe in closing the door on people's faces and saying, mm-hmm. I never want to talk to you again. Yep. I believe in saying, I love you, I'm holding a boundary, and here's a solution. And what is that solution? In my estimation, that for someone who's got an addiction problem, who's like at the point where they're putting their life in jeopardy, the solution is what I believe in patient therapy, or inpatient treatment. Um, generally, we want to get them into a detox center for somewhere to three to seven days and then like a 30, 60 or 90 day program. And then ideally a 30, 60 or 90 day outpatient program mm-hmm. after that, because with drugs and alcohol like, and that the stuff, 30 days doesn't solve. No. The problem. Yeah, yeah. You see that all the time. Celebrities are like, yeah, 30 days and I'm great. I'm good. And I'm thinking, well, have you dealt with the reason why you got into this? Like the emotional, the mental, all of that stuff. And in 30 days, it never seems to me like it's enough time. No, you're, and you're absolutely right. So we, I mean, 30 days is just the amount of time it takes to clear your system and right. clear your head and be like, oh, hey, you know, and, and then, then the real work starts. That's right. where the real fun is, you know, is, and then, and then at, see, at the same time, the family system that you come from needs to be addressing their part in this process as well. And, mm-hmm. and, and so they can support you and they can take care of themselves because let's be clear when you have someone that has an addiction problem, they dominate the family. It's sure. like having a tornado ripping through the house yep. every single day. Yep. And so of course that's, who's going to get the most attention. I mean, yep. if you've got other kids, I mean, it is a whole dynamic. Oh, absolutely. And you know, the other kids suffer, the marriage can suffer. Right. And, and, and it's, it's traumatic for everyone because, you know, like my mom told me uh, one time, she's like, you know, I just never knew whether or not you were going to come home or not. Oh. You know, I didn't know if I was going to get a phone call. Oh. And, and, and that's terrifying. Right. You know, to, to live that way. So there's so much more work to do. Yeah. And I was going to say, yes, so many families are dealing with this right now. What have we seen as far as the addiction rates since the pandemic? I mean, we are still in such a state of stress, in my opinion, going from the pandemic to the you know economic crisis. And yet we're still kind of there. Yeah. You know, it's interesting is that, you know, the, the pandemic, it was like a giant, uh, consider the entire world, right? I mean, I I like to see the world as one giant family, <laughs> and, you know, and, and what the pandemic was, was a, a giant trauma event for mm-hmm. all of us. Mm-hmm. And, it, and, and, and then, you know, when there's trauma events, right, everybody reacts differently. We have people that are fight, flight, freeze, yep. um, what we call flirt. You know, we have, we have people that revert to being a caretaker, people that hide, put their head under the ground and, like an ostrich. And and so when you watch the way our society has responded, you, you can see how all those roles got played out. Sure, right? sure. And those are those are all trauma reactions to what's going on. 
And and of course, there's always going to be a segment of the population that their way to dealing with the trauma is to self-medicate. Yeah. Um, and, and then some of those people that self-medicate can't pull out. You yes. know, not everyone who self-medicates, not everyone who has trauma is an addict. Yeah. OK, so but the ones who self-medicate that can't stop and then the, the addiction takes over. That's the person we need. We got to find immediate help for because we just don't want them to die. Right. You know, and and that's the critical piece. And so your answer your question, what have we seen over the last two and a half years? Oh, my gosh. You know, the numbers just keep increasing every year on the number of overdose deaths, you know, the amount of people that are self-reporting alcohol abuse and drug abuse. Mm-hmm. And it's 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 just it's horrendous. Um, and it, it's but I, what I look at it from a therapist's perspective is people are crying out, asking for help. And so let's give them a solution. Let's offer them help. I was going to ask you, too, the impact of the past two and a half years on our kids, because as a yeah. licensed marriage and family therapist, I would I would assume that you see a lot of this and a lot of changes to our kids and what they've been through. You know, there has been so much. I mean, I, I mean, I know we all have really suffered through the last couple of years. But if we really, and I know I certainly don't want to compare traumas and compare sufferings on any level whatsoever, but if we really want to see who is, I think is taking the brunt of it, I think we have to take a look at the under 18 population, yeah. you know, and I mean, for God's sake, it's, uh, you know, they, they couldn't interact with their friends. They couldn't go to school. Uh, we forced them to sit and stare at a computer for six to eight hours a day just because we were afraid if they went to school, they'd die. Right. And then as soon as everything gets all clear, what starts happening? School shootings start happening. Yes. Again. It's like, yes. oh, my God. Can you imagine being a kid today and having to fight through all that? It's just too much. It is too much. And I know as a parent of a teenager, it's terrifying for me, you know, dropping her off at school and thinking, oh, my gosh, you know, is she safe today? You know, all the different things that can happen, because I know the stress I feel and I'm older and I have more coping skills than what the kids are feeling. And they're feeling that stress, too. They just don't have the coping skills. Absolutely. And so so what it means is. There's a tremendous need, you know, right now for parents to really take a long, hard look at their kids and say, how can I help you? What can yep. I do for you? And, yep. and, 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 and notice, you know, uh, be, be aware of your kids. Look for the subtle changes. Have they changed their friend groups? Have their a- academic performance changed? Has their eating habits changed? Mm-hmm. Has their exercise habits changed? Has their hygiene changed? Look for those. Like I always tell people, kids, kids don't leave breadcrumbs. They leave bread loaves. You know, I love that. So true. they make it really obvious, but sometimes we're just too busy. And and then the thing is, instead of sitting them down and saying, there's something wrong with you. It's like, no, 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 no. Right. (laughs) Let's sit them down and say, hey, I love you. I'm your folk, your mom, your dad. And I'm I'm concerned and I'm noticing some stuff and I'd like to talk about it. And I know every kid's going to be like, I'm fine. Right. It's like, okay. it's like, okay, well, you may be fine, but I'm not. And so I would still like to have this conversation. And then the most important thing for parents to do is to model self-care for mm. them. Exercise, nutrition, um, meditation, community, therapy. You know, take care of yourself. Show your children this is the normal way to handle this stuff. I love that. I think that's really powerful for a lot of parents to hear is, number one, having those, those conversations. But then model the beha- behavior, model healthy yeah. behavior. Yeah, that's the most – kids are watching you 24-7. Yes. So if you – you know, if you zone out watching Netflix and drinking a bottle of wine every night, guess what they're going to, you yeah, know? And absolutely. If, if, you're in a, if you're in a position where you can sit with that kid and say, God, you know, 
this is this has been a really stressful time and you know how are you doing and and hey maybe we should go talk to someone or maybe we should as a family we should have a conversation and and i know it makes it takes effort and it's hard and i mean we and as adults we all got our own stuff to deal with too but these are your kids you only get you know what i saw recently this i just saw this you only get 18 summers with them. Might oh. as well make the most of it. Oh, my God. Isn't that the truth? I have a, I have a daughter that's 17 now. And, it, you know, the saying, the days are long, but the years are short. I feel it yeah. now more than ever. Yeah, exactly. I mean, use this time to really engage with them and plug in with them. And, and again, you're not their counselor. Right. You know, you're not their bestie, you know, but make it clear Everything can be brought to the table in this house. Yes. Everything will be un- unconversational and no, there'll be no judgment and there'll be no repercussions for someone saying I'm unhappy or I'm scared or yes. I feel weird. I love that. It is about just it's being there, being present and yeah, opening the door for those conversations. Yeah, that's really the most important thing we can do. I mean, and, and now if you have a kid that you suspect is struggling with drugs and alcohol, then by all means, you know, you need to immediately take action because you know, the last thing we want is another situation where uh, youngsters are dying in these situations. So what does that look like? Um, you know, I would say, uh, you know, a shameless self-plug. I've written two books on this. One's called Chronic Hope, Parenting the Addicted Child. Uh, you can get it on Amazon and Audible. It, it's a step-by-step program of how to resolve it. Mm-hmm. Go to my website, chronichope.us. There's a ton of free material, free videos, free stuff. Right. So it's all right there. And And then, you know, Email me or text me, and I'll be happy to help you. That's my job. Today is Prevention and Awareness Day for fentanyl. What do you hope that people will take away from today? I, I hope that what happens is that people start to understand that you can make a difference. First of all, by if you know someone that's struggling, just stepping to them and saying, I love you. Always start with, I love you, mm-hmm. and, and I care about you, and I don't want you to, I, I just, I want you to know that I care about you, and I want to help you. Now, they may say no, mm-hmm. you know, but, but they need to know that there's somebody there that's willing to help and then, you know, offer them a solution. Another big piece of the Prevention and Awareness Day is, you know, understanding that there are solutions. I mean, if you happen, sadly, to come across somebody that's uh, overdosing, you know, there's Narcan. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, and, and by the way, the Surgeon General of Colorado, I think is what they call him, has an open order. You, right now, you can walk into any pharmacy and say, I would like some Narcan and they will give it to you. I did not know that. Yeah, Colorado is one of the few states that has what they call an open prescription. Uh, it's a general order open prescription where it is 100% available. You may have to find the right pharmacy. Right. And here's the thing about Narcan. The people that I know who have had their lives saved is that their, their response is, that Narcan gave me a second chance. And I know the argument, oh, you know, you're just enabling them and they're just going to keep doing it. And I don't doubt that at all. But it also saves lives. That is a great note to end on. Kevin Peterson, licensed marriage and family therapist and founder of the Chronic Hope Institute. You can find him at chronichope.us. Kevin, great talking to you. I know we'll talk again soon. I'm Melissa Moore. It's Mile High Magazine. Go out, have a great Sunday, and be kind to everyone.